That coat of yellow pollen on your car is more than just annoying. It has acidic properties that can damage your car's paint, undercarriage, and interior. At Tidal Wave Auto Spa, our washes remove pollen, and our high-tech Graphex 4 wash provides four layers of advanced protection that actually help prevent pollen from sticking to your car. Clean, protect, and catch the happy wave at any of Tidal Wave Auto Spa's five Omaha area locations. Visit TidalWaveAutoSpa.com to find one near you. Bob. Hey, Bob. He's a four-time tire rotation champion. When he was a baby, his first words were automatic transmission fluid. Bob's so cool, he has engine coolant running through his veins. And then there's Kyle, also known as premium unleaded. Legend has it that Kyle can change your oil with his toes and that he can tell your tire's air pressure just by how you're walking. He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning, they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. Good morning, good Saturday morning to you. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. Uh, we are Buchanan Service Centers at 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge. Guaranteed brakes, 49th Avenue and Dodge. We do brakes right the first time. So stop in and see us. We're on Dodge. So somebody's passing by us at some point or another. I'm Bob. Sitting next to me this morning is uh, Carl. Carl's, I am Carl. Carl's filling in for Kyle this week. He's off doing um, car things. He's <laughs> yeah. not. Well, yeah, he's not, he's not on vacation. You know he's off yep. doing a car thing somewhere. Yep. That's just what he does. That's, that's what we car. do. That's, what, that's, that's, that's why we like what we do. So... If you've got that, uh, it's going to be a nice weekend. I think today is, so let's get out and get that project done before tomorrow because I think it's going to cloud up, maybe rain and be 50 and not be very nice. But uh, let's get those questions answered and uh, get you on to the repair so we can move on to the next thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a few articles I have here. This was an interesting one. Um, Tesla now over kind of took Ford for the most recalls um, of a vehicle. Really? Well, you know, they only got four models. Ford's got 60 models, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what they got. But it's not that it's necessarily a bad car. The, the the governing body that tracks this is also tracking over-the-air updates, and they consider that a recall. So if you haven't seen over-the-air updates or your, your car probably doesn't have that, uh, what they do and what Tesla has always done is like you park your car in the garage at you know 9 o'clock at night, they do a over-the-air update at 1 o'clock in the morning, now your car comes out with a, with an update and it, whatever problem that fixed itself or maybe you didn't even know it had. And then next morning you drive off and that's considered a recall. That'd be kind of an eerie thing to me, though. What if they dial in and they start it up and it goes through your wall? Uh, your I, I don't know. Next I, thing I, it's in your bedroom. <laughs> well, that could be. Cadillac's doing it. Some other higher-end models are starting to do it now, all over the air. Um, it's basically like when your cell phone, when when um, you, when your cell phone updates, and you know, and they call you and say, "Hey, you're gonna have to update at such and such time," and you pick a time, and that's kind of when it does it. It is a little freaky. Yeah. You know, I suppose there's guidelines for certain things. I, I don't suppose you're they're going to move the turn signals and how those work on the on the screen that you couldn't find. You can't start your car in the morning because that icon is moved. I, that's probably not how it works. But it, the freaky part about it is, is a little that freaky. It, it's just it has too much control. Yeah. It seems like 
uh, I don't know. It just seems too much control. They could lock you out easily. And, and I think we've done yeah. this in the past. They have talked about in the future electric cars <clears throat> will be able to, uh, if you buy an electric car and you're making payments and for some reason you quit making payments because, I don't know, you're, you're done with that. And they will just lock the car, and uh, they can have the the auto feature that the self driving mode, you know, the the AI and in, in, yeah. internally in that the they'll just have that return to the uh, the car lot, and uh, they, I mean they don't even got to be there. Your car's gone. They just gotta go beep beep beep. Next thing you know, it's driving back to the car lot. You know, you don't know that. So that's that's another interesting. You know, or maybe they. Uh you know, like your Tesla has just like the credit card looking thing. Maybe they just shut that off and you can't go anywhere. Right. So then you're calling Tesla and say, hey. I suppose you could. Yeah, I don't even I haven't. I haven't done. You can shut your normal credit card off. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be able to shut that off? A lot of interesting out of your control things going yeah. on. Yeah. So, but maybe that's where it's heading. All right. We're going to head over to Clark. Clark's got an 06 GMC Envoy. Clark, what's going on today? Well, I had a little issue a couple <laughs> of weeks ago. I drove the vehicle to the store and they came out to start it it would not start it turned over real good so i waited five minutes tried it again nothing waited five minutes tried again so i went to the store spent about an hour came back and it started right up uh, i asked my mechanic about it and he thought perhaps the timing timing chain or belt had skipped a, a notch or a cog, but he couldn't How's it, say for sure unless he had it when the, when it wasn't starting. How's it running I now? Wondered, runs good. Okay. Well, it didn't slip a timing cog. No, wouldn't do that. So if it slipped a timing tooth or something along that line, it doesn't slip back. If it does, that's, oh. that's one in a million or one in two million that it'll jump back. But once it jumps time, it's already going to be back. That It's not going to go back to where it was. So I thought too. So I guess the question is, when a car won't start, what is it actually doing? Did you have power? Did you have everything that you needed to? Did did it click? Did it do anything like that at all? No, no. Okay. Battery was. It's a new battery. Just uh, it turned over real good. Okay. Just, uh, would not would not fire. Okay. So it cranked when it wouldn't start. Okay. Was all it right. a hot day when that happened? No. No. Okay. It so, happened a year ago. The very same thing. And the very same uh, sequence. I waited an hour, then it then it would start. You know, the mechanic I mean, said, "Bring bring bring it in if it if it happens again." But yeah. I might be out of town. I might be in Lincoln or Fremont. I, right. I, I don't know what what well, you guys. Think. So so we're going to go back to air, fuel, and spark. We know it's got air. What we don't know is it has fuel or spark. It could since it cranks and cranks, but won't start you might have lost either one of those. Right. Um, the first thing that's going to come to my mind is uh, probably a fuel pump relay because those particular fuse boxes kind of had problems. Yes, they did. They were a, a, oh. yeah, a multi-layer fuse box, and a lot of times uh, the, the connectors underneath would come loose or jiggle loose. So it is going to be a little bit tough for, for him to find it. Um, what I would probably do if it happens to you again is get somebody else to crank it over while you pull that fuse box up by the left front uh, corner and just kind of wiggle okay. some relays around there and see if it doesn't start for you. That'd be the first thing I'd try. The, oh. the, what we would do if it doesn't start is we're going to check fuel pressure, see if we got fuel. 
if we don't have fuel, and we're going to check fuel pressure and spark. Because easily right there we can say, okay, I don't have any fuel pressure, but I got spark. Okay, well, let's head over to the fuel pump relay. Let's take a little tap on that and see if that works. And sometimes you can just find the relays and just tap on them while somebody's cranking over. I think you've got a problem. You're not getting fuel. You're not getting spark. That's what I think. Yep. Uh, did you see any so sc- even though it even though it runs good now, right? It, it didn't. It didn't at the time, huh? You know, and a fuel pump is electronic, so yep. when it's working, it, it'll work good. When it doesn't turn, and you will get no gas. The other key thing that you said there was after you came back a couple hours later, it fired right up. That tells me whatever it was was hot, and now it's cooled down and everything's okay. Yeah, but I've been driving a lot since then, and even yeah. when it's hot, it, well, there, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to an intermittent, and that's kind of what you have oh. is is an intermittent. So that uh, that's but after it cools back down, everything seems to kind of come back to normal. Is that about right? Yeah, I guess it's it's yeah. a straight six engine too. It's not the V6 yep. or anything. Yep, not, yep. Well, they don't. Yep, they only had straight six or V8s in those in in, the, in those. That's the only two that they have. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that's going to be my first that's that's where we're at. We're we're air fuel spark um injector pulse, you know, timing is way down the list. We know the timing's okay because it runs great when it does run. We know the exhaust is fine because it runs great when it's when it's not there. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we can rule out, but you got to start with with uh spark and fuel. Yeah. So, unless it happens for them, they can't they can't check the fuel. Correct. Correct. It, well, yeah, they can check the fuel pressure, but if it's working when you drive it in, um, it's going to be, so yeah. Well, that, there, there comes back to your intermittent, and I'll tell you what, that's the, that's the roughest part of our job. It's the roughest part of any, any mechanic uh, technician's problem. It is yep. trying to find the intermittent that, that uh, we want to fix the car, but at the same token, we want to fix the right thing on the car. So we're, we're apt to kind of back up a little bit and say, let's, let's be sure. Because other sure. cars are too expensive to just uh, take a shot at it and say, oh, I hope that fixes it. We, we don't, we want, you don't want to fix that car. That's not the way we fix cars. At least we don't. And we want to be sure. That way we're spending the money in the appropriate spot. I know it's frustrating, but... Uh, so there's no codes they can check or anything nope. like that? Huh? Oh. Oh, there may be Darn. there may be communication codes. There may be um, there may be some communication codes in there. If uh, if you've got a problem with a, a PCM or some wiring or a fuse box, it's possible. It's not going to turn okay. a, it's not going to turn a light on. Oh, okay. No, it's not going to do that. It's all right, guys. All right, try that. Keep Thank in touch. Let much. us know what we, if we can help some more. Appreciate the call, Clark. Good luck. We're going to take a quick break on the Mister Mechanic Show five five eight eleven ten. We'll be back in a minute. The problem is all inside your tire, he said to me. The answer is easy if you simply stop the leak. Listen closely and you'll hear the air squeak. There must be 50 ways to change your tire. 50 ways to change your tire. You gotta get out the jack, Zack. Watch out for the rim, Jim. You don't need to be quick, slick. Just get the job done Tighten up those bolts cold It don't cost too much, Gus Then give a good kick, Mick And the job is done My name is Jedediah Dial. 
Tech Show is brought to you by Buchanan Service Center. Two locations, 79th and Dodge and 50th and Dodge in Omaha. Okay, we are back in the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 the numbers to get in. Got a couple open lines for you. Give us a call. We'll see what we can help you with. You know, we were kind of talking off the air a little bit about our GMC that, that would, you know, crank, 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 but wouldn't start. Yep. You know, some of the other possibilities are a crankshaft position sensor. Not a very common problem, but yet it's still a possibility. I would, We were just talking about the common things that we do with that. Uh, fuel pumps are a common thing that, that we've done. A lot of fuel pumps. Yeah. I mean, there's um, – and, you know, you could have – there could be security issues. You know, I, I, I never thought about the security when I was going to ask him if there was any lights on the dash that – came up with any kind of security yeah. but um you, you have to start narrowing that down a little bit the best thing you can do is maybe tap on the gas tank if it, if it doesn't start you can try that and uh see if it fires up but ah you, carl and i both know about intermittents yeah. and they will absolutely drive you nuts nuts because yes, we want to fix it we want to get it out and move on to the next one but you just can't yep. all right we're gonna head over to keith keith's got an 03 dodge caravan keith what's going on today Keith, you there? Well, we'll put Keith on hold. And we'll shoot over to somebody else. Hang on, Keith. I'll go next. All right, Andrew? Yes, hello, uh, fellas. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to get a second opinion on something we've been chasing for a bit. Uh, about three to four months ago, uh, I would go to turn the ignition over on the car and I would get nothing, not a crank, it's nothing, but it was pretty rare. It, it was, and then as a couple months went on, it started becoming more prevalent and I would get nothing. And then I would get it on the second try. And then fast forward to about a month ago and it just completely would not turn over at all. Uh, the battery was on its last legs. We swapped that out and that went for about a month of no problems. And then it started coming back to, to no turnover. And then about this last, uh, so last Monday, uh, we, we kept the battery topped off on a charger, swapped out the alternator this last Monday. It fired at least twice with a new alternator in there. And then uh, next morning, next afternoon, uh, it went back to, to nothing. So. Just curious if you've got any ideas what we might be looking at. Okay, so when it when you say nothing, you you're telling me that the obviously the car won't start, but it does nothing mean that there's there's no power, nothing at all. No, so I get power. The vehicle got power. It's got the the windows will go, the power locks will go, uh, lights will come up, but. Hello, I think we lost you, Andrew. Oh, hold on a second. Here. There we go. Now you're back. Now hold you're back. On, yeah. give, me, give me one quick second. My head starts about to reset on me. <laughs> um, okay, I don't know how much of that you caught, but yeah. the, the vehicle, the vehicle, uh, it's got it's got power. The, the lights will come up, the power locks, everything will go. It's just that it, it, it uh, the ignition just it won't it won't fire. Uh, there's no noise, no crank, no nothing there. No uh, crank? No crank at all. Okay. No crank at all. It's crickets. 
Yeah, so it makes it sound like it, it makes it sound like well. So if you've got power to things, if it, you've got enough voltage in the battery to kind of get things going on the dash, which does not take a lot of amperage. It really doesn't. Um, a very very weak battery can light the lights and maybe roll the window up and down a little bit. But when it comes to try to get through the relays and start the starter, that takes a lot more amperage. Uh, when this happens, have you ever put a voltmeter across the battery to kind of see where it's at? Yeah, yeah, we tested, we tested, and like I said, we did put a new battery in, and we we tested that. We kept that topped off before the new alternator went in, and uh, new alternator went in, battery was good, we had readings and everything, 13 and a half, 14 almost, um, and then, yeah, and then the alternator would, it went in, fired a couple times, and just went back to nothing. <laughs> Well, it sounds to me like either a we something's drawing the car down, drawing the battery down to the point where it's not cranking because there's not enough voltage in the battery to start the car. When you keep the battery charger on there, it sounds like it's okay. Is that is that correct? I think that's possibly it. Okay. So um, the other possibly possi- didn't get ground somewhere. Well, the other possibility is that um, you're not getting any signal when you turn the key over. You're not getting any signal down to the starter. The key. Th- thing here for me is when you turn the key over are we getting starter signal down to the starter do you hear any clicks yeah mm-hmm. any, any any clicking at all and nothing but nothing. the physical sound of me turning the know. key yeah 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 so how do you get it going when it won't start uh, i'm not sure i understand do but you, do you like put a jumper or charger on the battery and then it'll go it's it, yeah yeah when we had it uh just just after the ultimate yeah we had it topped off um and then that's that's how you get it started is uh, putting it, a jump box or or a uh, battery charger on it. it yeah okay all right so you've got something drawing the battery down and that's what we've got to find is that anything 50 milliamps is um the max Anything over top of 50 milliamps is going to run that battery down. Sometimes it'll run it down overnight. Sometimes it'll run it down over the week. It just depends on how much in there. So voltage doesn't so much matter to me is how much milliamps we have on there. Uh, Most cars will start maybe at at 50, then they'll go back to 30, and then they'll kind of tail down all the way to maybe 5, 5 milliamps, which is that means everything is shut off internally in the car, and then the computer shut down, and then they finally rest at about 5 milliamps, maybe 5, maybe 15 milliamps, depending on what you have in there. If it's much higher than that, then, yes, it'll draw that car down. So that's what you need to do is you need to put a, a, a meter or a test light across the negative battery cable to see what kind of voltage you have there. And okay. that that's the first place we're going to start. Based on the fact that you said – that the only way you really get it going is to jump start it or charge the battery and off it fires. Yeah, it. Yeah, it fits drawn down that quickly. Yeah, you know, the next, yeah, that's, that's for sure. Drawn, yeah, done in just a couple hours. And and we have seen it because the batteries are weak in, internally. But you cross that bridge because you put a different uh, battery in it. Um, the alternator diodes can go bad, and that can certainly cause something. I mean, that was something that you, that you put in there, so. We know that's not it. it. It probably has nothing to do with anything that, that you've done or added to it or anything along that line. It has something to do internally that something's staying on 
and when it stays on, it runs the battery down. It has nothing to do with anything that you can. It's not like you're leaving a dome light on. You know that. It's, this is something mm-hmm. happening internally. So, okay. what we using a voltmeter can get kind of tough on the newer cars. Uh, the older cars you used to put a test light across, you know, in between the cable and the battery post, and you just watch the light go of 12 volts and then down to dim. The only problem is that you don't really know what your voltage is. So we on these a lot of newer cars have gone down and, and start putting them an actual voltmeter on them and then we put them in the milliamp scale so that we can actually find out exactly how many milliamps there are so we know for sure then we go and start pulling the fuses after let's just say it's 50 milliamps and we go start pulling fuses until we can get that that milliamps to drop all of a sudden down to 10 okay now we know the subsystem we're into let's just say it's a pe- yeah entertainment system, uh, seat belt system, something like that. Um, so now we know it's in the seat belt system. We pull that fuse. Now we've narrowed it down again. So now we know we're in the seat belt system. Now we start looking around to sit in certain things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the goofy things that can happen are switches can stick for the doors. Um, uh, seat motors can stick. Yep. Um, a lot of you know oh. the, the the forward and backwards or upward and down and you know seat back and those can stick i i had mm. one i fought for for months and it took me a long time to find it because it only would go dead when her daughter come home from college when i come to find out that she put the seat all the way back the seat would stick and it would only be dead every two months that took me a while to figure out but that's that's what can happen so it's not, you know it's kind of a weird goofy thing so that's where okay. I'm. That's where okay. I'm, that's what I'm going to start, and that's what I tell you to do. But that's what we would start if we did it. Very good. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. You bet. You bet. Have a good day. Good luck. Appreciate the call. All right, we're going to take a quick break on the Mister Mechanic Show. Five five eight eleven ten. The numbers to get in. We'll be back in a minute. Okay, we are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110, numbers to get in. We're going to shoot back in the calls and get these. I'll get all these calls answered before the end of the hour. We're going to head over to Keith. Keith's got a 03 Dodge Caravan. Keith, thanks for waiting. What's going on? Yeah, I got a question about the uh, odometers in those. Okay. Uh, this I found out this van was towed behind a motorhome, and... And with all four wheels down, believe it or not. Now, does that register mileage on the odometer without anything else on it? Well, that's a really good question. I have no, yeah, because I have... I've heard it. I've heard that it does, and I said, "Man, the thing would be like a fire truck, wouldn't it?" And the body <laughs> says, "The body says ten thousand miles, and the rest has two hundred. I would. So, ha- I don't know. I, I, so I guess the question is here: Do you have the key on when uh, when all See, this? I, I don't know because they put a transmission uh, research system in it. Yeah. Right. And it had a break. It, it, it had a breakaway switch. It had an inertia switch in it, and all kinds of stuff. So I don't know. You almost they'd have to have it off a lock anyway, so so the thing would would be able to turn right. Well, yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking if that car is not on, then the car probably doesn't know physically that it's, that it's rolling down the hill. I, I don't think I've, I've really never checked that. But uh, are, are you putting miles on it if the car is moving and it's not, it's not on? I, I would, my guess is no. But I think it has to be oh. on and it has to be running. I think all the 
the computers have to be fired up and you have to have that revolutions of the output speed sensor that's heading over to the computer to kind of register those miles. I could be wrong, but uh, I think you got kind of weird thing. Yeah. It's really weird. It's, I don't know. I bet you. I do. mean, that's, that's a weird. I, I've never been asked that question and or e- even thought about that. I bet you Google knows. We'll, we'll check. We'll uh, check with them. Yeah. Okay. And then I and then I knew that they had some old other stuff like the old some of the old Dodge trucks you could got. Uh, Spin tires in reverse, and it would still record the mileage on it. Yeah, they'd go backwards. I used to do that back yeah. in, back in the old days. <laughs> you, know, you, did, but, uh, you take Dad's car, but and uh, you had to jack up the rear end and, and run off a couple hundred miles before you gave it back to him. Sure. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in the old days, see that take miles off, and not nowadays. But no, no, not nowadays. It doesn't it doesn't work quite that way. But. Uh, you could also. I don't know. I just, I just wondered about that. Now, you, you think that they, they had to have that research system or else the transmission be burned yeah, up, right? I agreed. Agreed. That's just something. That's just a normal standard thing. If you're going to tow all wheels on the ground, transmission fluid is not moving. You want that stuff to move, too. So that actually does. It is a good thing. Then, yep. Huh? yep. It is. It is. It's, it's all transmission. It's, it's not. It's not only. A, yeah. It's not only a good thing. It's almost a must. If you're going to put. If you're going to tow four wheels on the ground, you're going to tow a vehicle like that. That's an automatic. You need to have that fluid moving. If it's a stick shift, it's not that big a deal. Right. Yeah. Another yep. thing, I got an old one RAV4. Uh, is there a universal transmission fluid I can put in that automatic? Um. Yeah, but you really, a lot of the universal fluids anymore will, will cover a wide variety of vehicles. But you, what you want to do is you want to stick with the what came in that car. You, you don't want to put a universal in it, it unless the universal covers what's supposed to go in that Toyota. Stick to, oh, okay. stick to the specific transmission fluid. That goes for anybody out there with any car. Stick to what it's supposed to have because the new CVT okay. transmissions, you put the wrong fluid in a CVT, you've ruined it, you just cost yourself five grand yep. or eight grand. So Well, it was, it, it was back in that era when the computers would go out and people wouldn't detect it. Right. And it always it burned the transmissions out of them. And this particular person, they caught it in time, right? And took it down. And believe it or not, it was within like twenty days, and they got a new computer put in it. Right, right. Well, but it's but it's a little it's a little slow. Like if you let it sit for a couple of days, I live out in the country, so you got to let it kind of run a while, and it's kind of rough when you got to get on a big highway and. And kind of and wait for it to shift in the uh, in the uh, overdrive. Right, right, agreed. In other words, like it's got to it's just like it's got to warm up before it says I want to do it. It does. The, the torque converter is probably drained down after it sits for a while, and it's got to get fluid back up and got to get everything circulated through the transmission before it goes. So yeah. So I kind of I kind of baby it a little, and and a lot of times I I'm used to the old school cars, and sometimes if you let up on the accelerator, it would go up in overdrive. But this one don't do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. But after you after you get it going, you can run it anywhere you want, and it's fine. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, Good. Keith, try that. I appreciate the call. Thank you. All right, we're going to head over to Dennis. Dennis, Dennis, what's up? You got? Yeah, I I got two questions. One is my vehicle, but that other vehicle you were talking about earlier, I had that problem with my 2017 Chevy where I thought it was the battery. Mm-hmm. It turned out not being the battery. Uh, when he said he didn't have no ignition, no cutting, none, none of that, 
did he check the starter? Well, that's that's one thing. You've got to. I think we mentioned that you've got to have something down to the starter. When you turn that key, what we want to know is a is there twelve volts power to the main terminal, and b is there a start signal going to the S terminal on the starter? If you don't have a if you don't have a, any kind of signal going to the S terminal, then we've got a problem in the ignition switch or neutral switch or fuse box or relay or something along that line. If we do have okay. power down there, then we know that all that all them circuits are good. So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that it, it just has to to jump start it or charge the battery and everything fires off. So that what leads me. That's why it led me more towards um, it's got a drain somewhere, a pretty heavy yep. drain. Yeah. And another thing, I got a 1999 Chevy, dual tires on it, one ton. It's a Penske truck with the box on the back. Sure. I let it sit for a while, and um, where I got it stored at, but I'm getting back running. On the right side, the, the, the wheel won't spin. How can I break that drum loose? Someone told me if if it's set in a puddle of water, and if water got up in that drum, the brakes will swell. Um, yeah, it can. More likely what's going to happen is it's going to rust. All the, the semi-metallic pads are going to rust right to the rotor. Um Boy, what we it's do, not rotor drum, drum, drum. Excuse me. That's that. Uh, so what we normally do is is take a uh, a sledgehammer to it, kind of gently tap it. Uh, sometimes you got to heat it up to kind of break it loose. Uh, boy, you know we've taken a big sledgehammer if we can't get it apart. Yeah, rock it back and forth. If it starts up, you can put it in reverse, put it in drive. Just gently try to rock it. Sometimes yep. that'll snap it loose. Yep, exactly. That's heavy Ooh. enough that you can maybe move it that way. Yeah. Okay. The so last, just the last, the last resort that we have done is take a sledgehammer and uh, start beating on that hammer or on that drum until it finally cracks it, and then we take it off in pieces. Yep. Okay. So, okay. Got to come off so, one. Got to come off one way or another in order to solve that problem. That's usually the last resort, but most of the time we get them off before that. Ninety percent of the right. time. Right. Right. Okay. Because I gonna get it done Friday, this coming Friday and all that, and uh, I, it was curious how, I, how can I break that drum? Yeah, I, I like I like Carl's idea. Let's let's let the uh, truck work for us. Let's let's work let's work smarter, not harder. Let kind of rock it back and forth a little bit, not hard, but just enough that it breaks loose. I mean, you're gonna replace okay. the brakes anyway in there, aren't you? Uh, pardon? Are you gonna replace the pads or shoes in there anyway, aren't you? If it needs it, yeah, I'll replace them. But if they don't need it, I'm gonna try to break it loose. See if that would help. Sure. Well, I was gonna say if you're gonna if you're gonna replace it anyway, I would shoot some penetrating fluid oil in there and then kind of move it back and forth and let that try to work in there a bit. But if you're thinking about changing or keeping the pads, I wouldn't do that. Okay, you wouldn't shoot penetrating oil in it. Then I would not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't soak the shoes if 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 you're gonna replace it anyway. Then yeah, who cares. But okay, okay. If you're trying to save parts, then no, I wouldn't do that. Okay, okay. I appreciate your time. You all enjoy your day. Yep, you Thank too. You. Appreciate the call. All right, we're going to take a quick break in the Mr. Mechanic Show. We'll be right back. All right, we are back in the Mr. Mechanic Show. We're going to head straight back into the calls and try to get everybody in. James has got a 2015 F-150 and got an antenna problem. James, go ahead. James, you there? 
I'm here. Okay. All right. We're getting figured it out. You got an antenna that broke off, did you? Yeah, I just snapped it right off. And I'm just wondering, can you just unscrew that? It looks almost like it could screw out of there. It should. And put something in. I don't know if there's a wire that goes down or not. Well, so there's two different kinds here. There's a there's a kind that the stud sticks up, and then you just screw your antenna down onto it. The other okay. style is the stud is on the antenna, and it screws into a hole um, in into the antenna base. Yeah. So that's the two different kinds. So okay. can can you see the end of the the piece that that should come out? Well, it just snapped it right off, but I mean I could take a wrench or something it looks like and turn it turn it out. I okay. haven't done that yet. So, so I was so, going to wait and see. Yeah, so you've yeah. got the, you've got the base left there. Oh, good for you. Yeah. yeah. Unscrew yeah, the base is still Yeah, on. okay. So, uh yeah, just take a wrench or or adjustable wrench or whatever fits on there and just unscrew it. Yeah. And then go to the okay. store and buy a new mast and put on there whatever kind so, you like. I'll tell you what I did. Okay. I got uh nope. every time you go through a car wash, that antenna it, it just it sticks clear up there. So, if you yeah. go, if you go online, you can buy an antenna that's only about 6 inches tall. And you'd really, oh, okay. you don't really lose a lot of. Do you listen to a lot of the radio or, or just a lot of KFAB, unfortunately? Well, okay. So if, if you, you can try these things, these little short antennas are maybe 15 bucks. You know, okay. uh, that's what I did on mine. I don't think I lost a lot of uh, antenna coverage at all, AM or okay. FM. And then I didn't have to worry about it hitting my garage when I came in and, and hitting on the yeah. garage door opener or, or anything along that line, or garage door. So, okay. and it's worth a shot. If you if you lose too much range, then go back to the other, but you'll like it a whole lot better because you don't have to worry about the car wash flipping down and almost getting your windshield every time or two. So, yeah, exactly. Check it out. Okay, perfect. All right. Appreciate Thanks. the call. You bet. All right, we're going to head over to Jerry. Jerry's got a uh, 14 Silverado. Jerry, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I... I got a question on transmission service, and okay. I took it to two different places. And one guy says you don't need to change the filter because it's got a metal filter in it. And the other guy says no, you need to change the filter and everything. And price-wise, it's about two hundred dollars difference. I just wondered how they're going to get the fluid out of there if they don't drop the pan and change the filter. Well, first of all, how many miles are on it? Then I'll explain that. 75. 75. So you're right due for one. So, um, okay, so what we have is, in a lot of places, have is a a transmission flush machine. So you hook it up. You put 14 Mm -hmm. quarts of fluid in the machine. It pumps Mm -hmm. all the new fluid in as it's sucking the old fluid out. So if it takes, it'll take 14 quarts out and put 14 quarts back in. And that is a complete flush of the system. If you drop If you drop the pan, do the fluid filter and gasket, you're getting roughly half of it out. The other half is still in the mm-hmm. torque converter and in the in, in the transmission, so you're only getting that way. So, oh, okay. Um, I would probably recommend at this particular point, and you know, Carl, I'm gonna shoot, I'd probably do the, the flush the transmission. It's probably what I would do at this particular point. Yeah. And then at your mm-hmm. next service intervolt, I would probably uh, do the the pan and do pull the pan. Do at that time. You're right. They they do have a okay. filter in there. You don't so much pull filters like you used to. Mm-hmm. The, the fluid filter and gasket was just the way it was done. That's just the way it was done mm-hmm. so much. But now, if you can exchange that fluid, the filters aren't nearly as dirty as what they used to be. On on that truck, do you, okay. On that truck, do you have a uh, do you have a drain plug on it on on the pan? 
I haven't looked. I haven't crawled under it. Look for sure. Okay. Some <laughs> some of those have drain plugs in the pan, and you can you can uh, and they'll have a uh, a screw on there. You can pull it out and see how much material's in there. They all they all have magnets in there to attract some of the the parts, but. Yeah, I remember that years ago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, the gaskets are better. You know, they don't leak quite as much as they used to. Fluid you know, it's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fluid well, is I'm better. Well, I'm just curious. Uh, is it true that they have a metal filter in them? You don't need to change them, or is it that not well, right? Uh, yeah, that they do. They got sometimes they just got a screen. That's yeah. all they. That's all they have. Well, oh. things have gotten things have gotten so be- uh, so much better in the fluid department and the clean and the transmission. I mean, some of these transmissions, they, they don't ask for service for 100,000 miles. Boy, never, ever used to be that way. No. Look, look at the fuel pumps. You don't even change fuel filters anymore because the, the fuel pump, uh, the gas has gotten so clean over, you know, 30, 40, yeah. 50 years that, and, and the pumps have gotten better and the screens have gotten better. You don't even run fuel pumps anymore or fuel pump, fuel filters, just run a fuel pump. That's it. So that doesn't seem, we pull fuel pumps out that's been running for 100,000 miles. You'd think it would be all gummed up and stuck, and and it's not. So, yeah, I mean, whether it's metal or plastic, it doesn't make that, but it's it's a lot of times it's more of a screen than anything else. Okay. The old old felt paper stuff that you used to see is just not so much there anymore. Yeah, I think they had too many of those coming apart. Yeah, kind of going through the, through the transmission it's more of a screen you're, you're trying to you're trying to catch the big parts you know the to try to filter out mm-hmm. that tiny stuff is is great but it you know it's going to go bad for a different reason anyway okay thanks thanks for your time you bet Absolutely. appreciate the call good luck all right yeah. dean dean i'm going to answer your phone uh phone call off the air so hang tight just right after the phone all right, Carl. That's another hour. That went by quick. It did by, go by yeah. quick. I can't all believe right. it. Everybody got all the advice they need without fixing the cars, and uh, they'll be out to the... Enjoying the day. Yes, out enjoying the day. All right, 558-1110 is the numbers to get in next week. I'm Bob. I'm Carl. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. That coat of yellow pollen on your car is more than just annoying. It has acidic properties that can damage your car's paint, undercarriage, and interior. At Tidal Wave Auto Spa, our washes remove pollen, and our high-tech Graphex 4 wash provides four layers of advanced protection that actually help prevent pollen from sticking to your car. Clean, protect, and catch the happy wave at any of Tidal Wave Auto Spa's five Omaha area locations. Visit TidalWaveAutoSpa.com to find one near you.